Human rights have been severely limited in the year of COVID-19, particularly the rights of churches and Christians in general. For an example, on the 6th of March, 2021, about 30 vehicles, three nyalas, two water cannons, a helicopter, and dozens of police officers descended on Unity Church in Soweto in a display of military power last seen under the National Party Apartheid government to harass and intimidate a church led by a woman, Pastor Mukuba. They claimed that they were responding to complaints about noise from the church. The ACDP condemns this abuse of power and grotesque use of state resources. Why did the police have to use a helicopter when responding to a complaint about the noise? This fruitless expenditure must be properly investigated by the Auditor General. When the pastor was arrested, she was not read her rights or told the charges against her. When she asked where she was being taken to, she was told, I quote, you will meet your snake, Pambi, close quote. She spent many hours sitting in the van, and when she asked again at the police station why she had been arrested, she was allegedly assaulted by a JMPD officer. The ACDP wants this incident to be properly investigated. Secondly, when given reasons why he decided to appeal the order to apologize and retract statements in support of Israel, Chief Justice Muhammad Khan said, and I quote, judges as citizens have constitutional rights of freedom of expression, freedom of religion, freedom of thought, and freedom of opinion. It is not correct to say that when you assume office, you'll automatically let go of your constitutional rights, those quote. Those calling on Chief Justice Mukwemukwen to retract these statements and apologize for his remarks because the Judicial Conduct Committee ruled that he had contravened the Judicial Code of Conduct should answer the question whether this code trumps the Chief Justice constitutional right to freedom of religion and expression. I believe such a position would set a very dangerous precedence for the future of our constitutional democracy. In the case between MEC for Education, Mrs. Pillay, Devon Girls High School refused a Hindu pupil permission to wear a gold no-start to school on the basis that it violated the school's code of conduct. The Constitutional Court ruled that the school's code of conduct was discriminatory against the student's culture and therefore violated her constitutional right to religion. There should be no exception with the Chief Justice. I believe his constitutional right to express his religious beliefs should trump the code of judicial conduct. The ACDP agrees with the Chief Justice's refusal to retract or apologize for stating that he loves Israel, Palestinians, and everyone else. We salute and respect him for his commitment to love everyone and his refusal to hate. As leaders, we must. Thank you, Deputy Speaker, the ACDP launched a high court application against the South African Health Products Regulatory Authority, SAPRA, and the Minister of Health to secure access to ivermectin as a treatment for COVID-19 on the 27th of January 2021. At the same time, SAPRA launched a program to give limited access to ivermectin in terms of Section 21 of the Medicines and Related Substance Act. The ACDP persisted in its application because it believed that the program did not achieve the purpose that it was created to achieve 
and that it actually frustrated access to ivermectin and hindered doctors who were treating patients who were ill as a result of COVID-19 infection from treating them optimally by using ivermectin timelessly. The thrust of the ACDP's case was that prior to the program, doctors were entitled to prescribe ivermectin and authorized doctors and pharmacists could compound it without having to make any application to SAPRA. SAPRA's program prevented the compounding of ivermectin medicine and thereby reduced the public's access to ivermectin. On Monday, 15 March 2021, SAPRA informed the ACDP that an ivermectin product should be registered by Wednesday, 17th March 2021. This means that as soon as this product is registered, doctors can prescribe ivermectin without having to apply to SAPRA to do so. And compounding the pharmacist, doctors can compound ivermectin for human use. This is a great victory for the ACDP and the people of South Africa who have been suffering under the scourge of the pandemic. Thank you, Honorable Member. I was waiting for you to finish. Now you're taking more than enough seconds additionally, which was not allocated to you. Life, a state of existence beyond human understanding. Life, beautifully designed by God Almighty to showcase his extraordinary abilities. We were created to manifest the glory of the Lord and fulfill his purpose. We were created to be happy and live according to his desires. But sometimes we experience the harsh side of reality. We pass through difficult situations that may challenge our faith. But the Bible says that in difficult times we must hold steadfast to our faith. We must believe in God's works more than ever. In difficult times, all we need is a little faith, hope, prayer and inspiration. Midnight Date seeks to encourage people to be like Job during times of tribulations. Midnight Date is a show aimed at providing restoration through spiritual education and the practical application of prayer. We walk with fellow soldiers in Christ through moments of trials. Are you going through situations that put your faith in disbalance? Why not join us today so that we can walk through this together? Good morning, good morning, good morning, night riders. Ah, yes, better late than never, right? Turn up the volume where you are. Happy New Month, you everybody who have just joined us. This is Midnight Date, and I am Major Daughter today. We have shifted the gears. Today we have shifted the gears. We're talking about the marriage between the state and the church. Is there such a marriage? Is there such a marriage? And we have the leader of um, ACDP, Dr. Kenneth Mishra, is in the studio with us to really talk about this and go deep because of where we are coming from as a country. And this is not over by any long shot. It's not over. That is why we need to remain in prayer. But this is what is interesting for me, and I want to start there. Now, if you have not just shared this broadcast, go ahead and share this broadcast as many times as possible. Tell somebody we are live, we are live, we are live. You don't want to miss this. Because today is the state and the church. That is what this um, conversation is all about. The state and the church. Is there marriage between the two? Is there marriage? We're about to find out. So tell somebody to tell um, their friends, 
and their friends and their families to join us right now. This touches us to the core. But here is what interests me. To see that, you know, the last time we had um, uh, Reverend Kenneth Mishra in the studio, he spoke about how they really, really uh, stand up for the Christian community. But you're seeing it now because we're bringing the clips, the very recent one of Pastor Mukoba, who was a, a who who faced um, brutality in her church. The whole church. We have interviewed her. Look, this is something else. I mean, we really need to think about this. Somebody says, God bless ACDP. I agree. They took it up in parliament and asked for an investigation. Think of who would have thought we would have not known this had we not brought him here. Do you see that? So these are things we need to be paying attention to. Who's doing what? This is, this is the political class. This is the, we are in a political class. I want you to tell three people we're in a political class and somebody's got to really take interest in this because the church and the, politi and the politics, the church and the state, they have a relationship, whether we agree or not, whether we like it or not. In fact, it is more than just a relationship. I call it a marriage. We have seen it in the days of, of, of the man of God, Daniel. We have seen it in their days. Right? Not only that. I mean, in, in those days, they, they used to consult. I mean, those in government, those in authority, they used to consult the church. The church was involved in everything that was taking place. So today, that's what we, be, we, we endeavor to indulge in. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts, really? ACDP. In parliament, they say investigate this matter. Hasima Baribar, you saw it. It's not I heard, I heard, you saw it. Or do you want us to go back to that clip? We can go back shortly. Look. This is what ACDP is doing there. But we want to know more. Praise the Lord. Now, if you have just joined us, this is Midnight Date. And I am Major Daughter. Go ahead and share this broadcast as many times as possible. In a moment, in a moment, I'll be bringing Reverend Kenneth Mission. And whatever questions you have, just start sending them. Whatever comments you have, start sending them. But that touched me to see them really, really taking up matters from our communities in Parliament. I never saw that. Sure, who saw it? Life, a state of existence beyond human understanding. Life, beautifully designed by God Almighty to showcase His extraordinary abilities. We were created to manifest the glory of the Lord and fulfill His purpose. We were created to be happy and live according to His desires. But sometimes we experience the harsh side of reality. We pass through difficult situations that may challenge our faith. But the Bible says that in difficult times we must hold steadfast to our faith. We must believe in God's works more than ever. In difficult times, all we need is a little faith hope 
prayer and inspiration. Midnight Date seeks to encourage people to be like Job during times of tribulations. Midnight Date is a show aimed at providing restoration through spiritual education and the practical application of prayer. We walk with fellow soldiers in Christ through moments of trials. Are you going through situations that put your faith in disbalance? Why not join us today so that we can walk through this together? Yes, like I told you that in a moment we will be bringing Reverend Kenneth Mission, the leader of ACDP. It is that time. Send your comments. Send your questions. Send your questions. We love, love, love reading from you. So good morning, good morning, good morning, Night Riders. Help me welcome Reverend Kenneth Mitchell from ACDP. Yes. Good morning, good morning, good morning, sir. Welcome once again. Thank you so, so much. It's such a pleasure to be with you on this great program and uh, to share some wonderful things that we have been doing as God's ambassadors in the political arena. An arena that needs more servants of the Lord, God-fearing, I must say, not just church-going, but God-fearing. People who will not be influenced by those around them who are corrupt, but those who will challenge the corrupt with their upright lives. We need more of such people. Thank wow. you very much for having me. And I'm hoping that one day you yourself, you say in Parliament, Major <laughs> In Parliament? <laughs> That's a prophecy. I'm not sure how to deal with that. <laughs> it's a matter of time. A matter of time. It's a matter of time. The Lord will condemn <laughs> Well, Reverend Sir, we, 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 we are not out of the hoose as a country. We are not out of the, 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 the chaotic scenes we saw. We are not out of the, of the chaos and the, the, the criminality. The lootings that we saw, the burning of infrastructure and destroying of infrastructure. Here is what I want to lay down first. Thanks a gazillion times for what you are doing as a party, as, as Christians who represent and fight for the Christian community. I think the, the clips that we saw really prove that you are not just all talk. You don't just talk. You are doing it. We saw it. Yes. Yes. So if you can convey our, our gratitude to the party, the members, everybody, we saw it. I appreciate your words. And that says to me, you are an observant servant of God, who has gratitude in their heart. You know, there are people, it does not matter how well you serve them. It does not matter what you do for them. Many of them would not have those simple words, thank you. So from what you're saying, 
you appreciate what you're doing and I'm definitely going to tell our members that there is one uh, TV host, major daughter, who is saying thank you very much. And the more we hear people say thank you very much is the more we want to do for the community, particularly the Christian community, because they are the ones who send us to parliament to say God, the interest of the kingdom of God. But having said that, because I know there are those who are not Christians who are watching your programs because they are a wonderful program that has a lot of education content, educational content. We love everybody, even as our Father in heaven loves everybody, even those who are not Christians, we want to take up their issues, we want to defend their constitutional rights, and we want to be a blessing to all South Africans. So I accept the gratitude and I will definitely convey it to all our members and supporters. Man, it's indeed a, a paradigm shift. South Africa as a nation, by the constitution of this country, we don't support any religion that has been laid down, that is what has been laid down on the constitution. Mm -hmm. And furthermore, the, the Papuda Amendment Bill of 2000 begs the prohibition of uh, discrimination and hate speech. This is what is there, right? Now, since Christianity, so what does this mean? This means that Christianity is not a religion of the state because the state by constitution, the country by constitution does not support any religion whatsoever. Now, since Christianity is not a religion of the state and none is, don't you think the Christian community will be an unbiased contributor to ensure good governance and development in a time like this one. Um, it, it is true, true that, that the current government does not support and promote any specific religion. We are a constitutional democracy. Yes. So, so anybody who wants to undermine our faith when we proclaim it even in the public arena by saying we are a secular state is lying to the public. We are not a secular state, we are a constitutional state that endeavors to treat everybody equally. Now Christianity obviously, which is the faith that most members of or people of South Africa align themselves with has values that I believe can make Christians make excellent contribution to good governance in South Africa. If, for example, I talk about a value called respect, I don't know any religion in South Africa that can say, we don't agree with that value. Now, the HCDP 
teaches and promotes respect in different levels. Firstly, we speak about respect for God. Anybody who is not foolish will have to accept the fact that there must be a creator. When you look up there, you see a moon. Up there, no strings holding it in place. You see the stars. No strings holding them in place. They are all in their places. And as the moon revolves, it does not bump against stars because there is a God in heaven, a mastermind, the most intelligent being, more intelligent than the word intelligence. You cannot, we don't have enough words to describe who he is. Okay, so we say such an awesome God must be respected by those he created in his image. Yes. So we speak about the respect for God. That's the first level of respect, the value of teaching, the value of respect, respect for God. And secondly, we talk about respect for self. When you are careless and you don't respect yourself, then you should not expect other people to respect you. Yes. If you are a parent and you don't respect yourself, how can your children respect you when you don't respect yourself? So from, from respecting self, we go to the third one, which is respect for your neighbor. Now, the ACP is unique in the sense that we teach about respect and love your neighbor as you love yourself, just as Christ taught us. Yes. All right. Now, if you love your neighbor, you will not sin against them. You will not do them any harm because you don't want anybody to do harm to you. That's why Christ said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. You don't abuse your body. So if you truly love your neighbor, you will not abuse your neighbor. And then from there we move to love, we, 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 we respect life. We are in a, living in a society today where people don't respect life. To kill another person is a small thing because they have lost respect for life. This value is one of the most important that the ACDP pushes in South Africa like no other political party, I must say. And fifthly, we teach about respect for property. A few, two, two, three weeks ago, we saw the looting and destruction of properties that have shocked the rest of the world. People with dead consciences who just destroy everything. You know, if you talk about people who were looting because they were hungry. Now, we know that is not completely true because there were some people who were driving Mercedes, Benzes, some driving four by fours, okay? Show them they were not who I all. It was a mixture. Okay. It was a mixture. It was a mixture, all right? But you know, that sad thing, that sad thing is to see these people after looting setting buildings alight. Yeah. Now, you ask yourself a question. Where is common sense? You destroy a restaurant or you destroy a, a, a shop, a supermarket that you have been buying food from. 
Two weeks ago, I went to our nearby store, Food Lovers, as I mentioned, I may mention, and I was, we were standing in the queue outside. It was such a long queue because people were coming in from different areas where malls were destroyed, coming to our area. And yes. this man was in front of me, said, he said he drove 14 minutes from Val to come to box, to come to San wow. to buy food, to buy food. Now, where is intelligence? If it is not, in one way, maybe it's foolishness, but on the other, it must be anger, uncontrolled anger. And who can best help people to be delivered from uncontrolled anger? When people are angry to an extent that they cannot control their anger, they do stupid things and afterwards they regret for what they have done. Anger, uncontrolled anger, has destroyed families. Fathers or mothers, they destroy their own families because of uncontrolled anger. So when, if there is one listening, one of your uh, viewers who has a problem, tell the person that you can help them. All yes. of us have issues, but Christ has helped us. So the ACDP has a major role to play, but above that, Christians who know the word of God, who love people, who love their country, who love their community, can contribute much to make their communities improve and become much better than they are today. Yes. So while that was unfolding in the past few weeks, we saw the president call on the religious leaders. We saw politicians from different uh, provinces and uh, communities in the country calling on the religious leaders to, 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 to come out and calm the fires. During that time, the churches were shut down. Now here's my question. What role, in your own view, you think the church plays or will play in pursuit of peace in our nation, especially in a time when we are facing a crisis like this one, not only this crisis, because we're also dealing with socioeconomic challenges that we have never seen before. You know, the current government is making many mistakes, some of them many terrible mistakes. And one of the mistakes that was highlighted last year when COVID started was one, when one of the ministers, the Minister of Social Development, tried to stop churches that had feeding programs to feed the people. The matter had to be taken to court. Wow. Because, because some of them, some in government, were behaving and also treating the church as insignificant. The church, I must say, is a, should be an important ally of the state. The church is providing an essential service in the communities. You know, when things are bad, people and people become depressed. In our days, people are becoming depressed. Yes. And in churches, we know how to give counseling, encouragement, and prayers to all those who are suffering from depression because of the problems they are going through. 
So, so to, to teach, teach, to treat, to treat the, the church as second class, class or, or unimportant is, is a major, major blunder that is made by the state. Now, the churches, many of them have their own infrastructure. They have beautiful buildings. They have workers and volunteers that can help government in a number of things. An example, in one of your clips, we saw well, on the news tonight, long queues of people who are going to get their grants. Long queues. You see grannies walking around with chairs. When they stop, they sit down in the sun. They have to carry their chair. When they stop, they sit down. Now, if government was smart enough, if government was smart enough, they would ask churches to assist them, work with them, and allow these people that are taking grants and the mothers to go to some churches that have infrastructure to work with government. And I promise you, the people that do, old people who go to churches to receive their grants, members of those churches will provide them with something to drink. When it's cold, they can offer them coffee or soup, a bowl of soup. They will do that free of charge. Yes. But because we have a short-sighted government, they don't see that. There must be a partnership for the sake of giving our people the best service possible. Best service possible, government does not have sufficient infrastructure to deal with people that have such needs. So I'm saying the church can contribute excellently, wonderfully, tremendously, so that everybody at the end of the day will get good services and will be happy. Amen to that. And the church is a bridge builder in society and has always sought for peace and reconciliation. That is the church's role in general. Now, here's what interests me. The South African Council of Churches has just um, made a submission, and I'd like to know how do you assess it. They are saying though the looters should be given a two-week uh, two weeks amnesty to return the stolen goods or face prosecution. What are your thoughts on that, Reverend Sir? I can agree with giving amnesty to the looters, but that but is cancelling the very first <laughs> sentence. Okay, all right. Let them be given amnesty, but they must be given opportunities to pay back. Because it would not be wise to allow people to loot and steal and steal and steal and steal and then get away with it. Because the message you'll be sending to people would be crying, pain, and something. If you want into this, it's just a Allah. Go and loot. So I'm saying people must be taught that crime does not pay. Alright? The yeah, crime does not pay. That's not matter how much you've stolen, crime does not pay. So for people who have stolen maybe food and say I was hungry. Okay, you're hungry? 
we are going to make sure that you clean the street, you clean the car, the, the, the car parks, you clean the cars, you do something with your hands to pay back in kind what you have looted. Now, when you do things like that, people will realize crime does not pay. And then we'll say to them, next time when you need food, don't loot, don't steal, come and wash my car, come and wash the driveway, come and do this and this and this and this and this. So that people will know that the works God promises to bless the works of their hands. Even though it might be something small, people must know that God wants to bless the works of their hands. But those who have taken big stuff because they were just greedy, it does not out of hunger, they were just greedy. Aye, they must pay back that money. They must pay back. Even if you give them time, but they must pay back. Nothing mahala. They must pay back because they have robbed somebody else. And there must be consequences for robbing other people. Mm. Oh, it's, 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 a, it's a challenging one. It's a tough one because someone will say, are you not promoting crime? Are you not promoting this uh, are you not saying to them, you can go loot some more? There would be a church council or a church community that will come and say, you must be given an amnesty for what you have done. The Bible says, let him who are stealing steal no more and go find something to do. All right. that and that is, is not only that dependent in finding a job, Reverend Sir, because a job can also be created. What happened to the days when our fellow Brothers and sisters used to uh, engage in some trades in the township economy because that's the richest economy we have in the country. We see some of these uh, 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 sectors in the township economy being deserted, somehow traded off. I don't need to right. name a few. Like, I mean, there's so many. All right. Now... Let me go back to what I said about the looters, okay? We want to tease them that crime does not pay, okay? We give you amnesty, bring back. But I said, at the same time, they must work, make them to work and pay in kind. And again, say to them, don't do it again. Don't do it again. And then, obviously, for people to get jobs, when they clean the parks and all these things, they clean whatever, they go in the field, that is a work. To pay back what they've stolen. But the long term, there has to be jobs created. Now, I must tell you something that I know government will deny. But I know it's true. When a government wants people to depend on them, they give them less opportunities to be independent. One thing that government is not doing, government of South Africa, Make time Google search what is happening in Japan, for example. Do you know that when we went to school, we were taught to clean our rooms, our classrooms, and our yards. I see until today in Japan, children are taught to work with their hands from young. And instill the fact the fact is. Even while they're working, they are producing better results than South Africans. We know, we know that when government started saying, no, children should not do any work, they must focus on their studies. They were lying to people, they were misleading people because they wanted to raise up young people who are lazy. Okay? So if their results were better, 
we had improved. I would say maybe they have a point. The results are not better. The results are worse. That's why they even would talk about 40% pass rate, 40%, when a child gets 40% in his exams. Okay? They have made our children lazy. Children must be taught to work with their hands. We were working when we grew up in schools. We were not hiring somebody. Rahala, the headmaster hiring family members to come and clean the school. Uh -uh. We were doing it as children. And they themselves, as leaders, they will tell you that they used to do that. And they got better results than the children of today who are not allowed to do anything in school. It's wrong. And it must be changed so that we can make entrepreneurs out of our children. Okay? When a child is in school, they are taught woodwork. Yes. And a weekend after work, they do something they say. The the uh, you know when children, uh, girls were taught uh, sewing and baking. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. You bake yourself. You sell. You make extra and, money. And that, and, that, and, and that is how we learned how to bake, Reverend. That's how we learned how to bake. But such things are no longer there. Uh -huh. We will say uh -huh. you as a government, you took them out because it appears you're singing from one hymn book. And if you say no, I'd like you to give me examples because the last time I checked, the president will come out and say, we, are, we have sat down, we consulted with everybody, which I think that includes political party leaders or political parties. So if he says, I've consulted with everybody, that means these decisions and the implementations thereof are a collective decision. You know, they will tell you that if we consult you, it does not mean we are going to do what we say. So their consultation is their information. They inform you. What they say, we consult. They inform you, and when, when they truly want to consult, they say we don't agree with them. Ultimately, they say we are the majority. As the majority party, are going to make the decision whether you like it or not. That's what's happening. Because if they were really, really taking what you're saying seriously, children would be allowed to work at school because we know the baby they are. I made a, an example with Japan, producing some of the best uh, mathematics results. Science is that, and yet the children are working with their hands. So the children are well disciplined, they have self discipline they know when I wake up, this is what I do, and I'm sure many of them, even though we and I are not going to their homes to see for ourselves, but I'm sure many of them, they just leave their beds and tidy, they go to school because mama or a domestic worker will come and, and clean up our messes. Yeah. You know, even if I tell you something, people say it was abuse. But I was trained. When I did matric, I was in boarding school. We had a tough master, a tough disciplinarian as a headmaster. Because when the domestic, there were days when you say inspection, and you would not tell me before. Inspection. Okay? Yes. So day of inspection, there would be one entrance, one big security gate. And then you say, okay. Who stays in room 10? Let's start with room 10. Okay? We all go to the bedroom, to, to, our, to our rooms. Number 10. Everybody stand next to your bed. 
If you didn't put your uh, bed correctly, there is no. Uh, maybe you left some stuff on the bed. You get the lash. What? You would open the locker. You would find a, a toothbrush in a mug. You get another one. You find you put your mug on a washing rag. He was teaching us. They were teaching us. Okay. Now you find one shoe is there, another shoe is there. Some husbands are like that. When you go come to your bedroom, the first thing you see is the socks. The next thing you see is the shoes. Okay. Some husbands are like that, alright. I was taught and some wives are like that too. That's even worse. If you want to answer that, that's even worse. All right. I was taught that school. What I'm saying is, children must be taught that school. I was taught that school. Where the toothbrush must be placed. And you guys can ask my wife. I'm still doing that today. My wife does not pick up my socks all over. I know where to put them. Because I was taught that so, so, so I'm saying children must be taught to work with their hands. Then we have a great well, Helen says, meaning it's not consulting because they don't take other sides and apply it. And no, no, no. so Lofelo says, consultation has become information. Yes, it, this is subduing. Look, this, this is more, it's, the Bible will say they're just fulfilling righteousness. You know, they're just doing it because mm -hmm. they must mm -hmm. fulfill righteousness. Now, yeah. in the event, in the event of shutting down of churches, which is akin to closing or blocking communication channels between the state and the electorate, because the electorate are in the church, how would you promote finding a solution to such a deep-rooted socioeconomic challenges if you shut down the churches, block communications, I mean, close, and only remember the church when there's a crisis. Obviously, the church must be vocal, the church must speak out, and the church must say, we do not appreciate the way we are being treated. If you do not change the way you are treating the church, the church will want to remind you that you are not in government because of the votes of the heathens. The majority of voters in South Africa today are people in the church. Yes. People in the church must speak out. Because they are even campaigning in the church. The problem I have personally with many churches and many church leaders is that they will allow these people, some of them ungodly, who would not even want to listen to the preaching of the word of God. They will just come and say, I'm in a hurry, I'm in a hurry, I want to speak, I'm in a hurry. After speaking, they're gone. They don't want to hear preaching. All right? So I have a problem with church leaders who would allow that to happen and they would not hold them accountable. Some of these church leaders, they complain. And some of them, they come to us. And some come to me. They are complaining. The church is not giving us sight. Sorry, government is not giving churches sight. Government is treating the church as an, an, a non-entity. The government is not showing any respect and appreciation. I say, but that's because of the way you also bow when you see them. You give them the la too much latitude to say anything they want to say without you saying anything to them, without you holding them accountable. So the churches that are 
threatened with closure must tell government and councillors, I will meet you, I will revenge at the ballot box. Because that is your power. Your vote is your power. So when you have a government that does not want to listen to you, a government that wants to shut, it, shut down churches and silence you, tell them I'll get you. And it's high time that the churches start, start standing together. We know that there are some that are given money by government, bribed with money from government, so that they would not say anything, they would not object anything. But the time has come for the church in South Africa, major churches, big churches and small churches to stand together. That the bigger ones speak, speak for, for the, the smaller ones. ones. And, and say, say these, these are, are our people, people. they are our, our colleagues. colleagues you cannot treat them disrespectfully as you do because, because if you do i'm going to react in support, in support and, and in solidarity, solidarity with my brothers and sisters, and sisters. The, church the church of jesus christ, christ in south africa must stand together to win back the respect to loss and the church must also confront those among us who are abusive they are church leaders who are abusive. And they've been getting our because their fellow Christians are not confronting them. Some of them, obviously, who are abusers, have put us to shame, have put the church to shame. And we are all painted with the same brush. You are feeding people snakes. You are feeding people rats. You are doing this and this. These are things you don't agree with. This, this, is, this is why it gets interesting. Just, I uh, think, two, three days ago, I was talking to a Reverend Pastor Sipo and Professor um, uh, Mongelezi or something. I can't remember his name now. Just a past few days, they, they, they raised the same uh, concern. And here is where I find that challenging. And I'll, I'll raise this question again that I raised with them. Jesus said to us, <laughs> somebody says, they treat the church like a scrub lab. Oh, yeah, yeah. When was the last time I heard that? <laughs> a scrub lab. I think that's yeah. taking it a bit far. But anyway, sir, Jesus said, greater works than these shall ye do. What? If, I mean, really, when it comes to understanding the anointings and stuff, it baffles me. What if these are greater works Jesus spoke about? What if these are some of the greater works that Jesus spoke about? And the question should be that we should be raising as the Christian community is. These things that, they, that, that they're using or they're doing, are they bringing any change? What is happening? Because I always hear someone says, we need to stop those who are using doom, using what, what, using what, what, no problem. Have we investigated? Have we found those who have been doomed, sprayed, and eaten snakes come to us and say, oh, well, uh, I can testify that after eating the snake, I became well, I was sick, or whatever the story may be. Have we investigated these cases or we just find it unethical according to how we, um, we, we believe, right? The Christian administration of the word and administration of uh, healing. 
should be carried out to people. It can't be that way. Jesus didn't lay out the things that we will see. He didn't. In fact, Jesus, I'm sorry to be taking long on this because I need to be bringing up Jesus. Jesus, at some, at some point, he spat on the ground. He spat on the ground and took some mud, they formed something and smeared it on the man who was blind and said, go wash yourself in the river. The man came back seeing to dare if you, if you dare, you dare spit on anyone. We'll sing you out. I, I, do, I really, I really, I want, to, I want to challenge and I really want to engage with you, Reverend Sir. You are, I mean, you are a father. You are a father. You are a father in this nation. But I also want to challenge the community, the Christian community. What do you think about some of the things that Jesus did himself that I somehow find questionable? I mean, if we question the doom, I also question some of these acts. I yield, Reverend Sir. <laughs> Here is a major difference. Yes, a major difference. Jesus <laughs> a major difference. never used anything harmful. Number one. And number two, when he sped on the ground and made mud, the man came back seeing. Now, if you compare that with somebody who feeds another snake until today, if all those who ate snakes were well, the television and newspapers would be filled of uh, testimonies, uh, programs such as yours, Christian networks, would be telling the testimonies of what has happened. But I promise you, that taste, that thing does not taste nice. Many of those who drank that from. I went to Pretoria a few years ago. After people were given petrol to drink, they said, "Ah, it tastes like it tastes like uh, like juice. Tastes like juice." I went to the police station to ask the police what they were doing about that because petrol is harmful. And you know what the police was doing? They said, "If we take you to Harangwa Hospital." Right now, they said, you'll find people who drank petrol. They are getting treatment in hospital. So those methods, the methods that are used by some of these youngsters these days to give people things in the name of Jesus will do greater things. Jesus always got perfect results. They have no results to show us. We can tell you about people lying in hospitals out of what they did. So, so there is no comparison. comparison. Jesus was demonstrating that everything he used, he created, is under his authority and he can use it to get blessed results. If there were, there were no results after Jesus did that, I would say you have a point. But he always got effect results. I want us to park here a little. Thank you, sir, for that beautiful, beautiful response. But today, some people will find the mud Jesus used to be harmful because that is just the nature of, of where we are right now. This program has not investigated those matters. 
So I cannot say there's been healings or no healings. And I know that it's not, it's not common for, for good news to be reported on. It's easy and very common for bad news to be reported on. Everybody wants to carry bad news because bad news makes news. In fact, that's what they tell you at the journalism school, that bad news is what's news. So it will be, it, we, chances are very slim to find anyone who can, uh, who can publicize or televise testimonies, if there are any. Now, there are... <laughs> if I may come in there, if yes, I may come in there, uh, 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 there are a number of Christian networks in South Africa. A number of them, including yours. Yes. There are a number of them. Now, if our networks are for his honor and glory, and we hear a testimony that glorifies the Lord, Obviously, the secular media won't be interested in that. But the Christian media should be standing together and say, those guys are promoting bad news because it's saying for them, we want to promote good news. If there's a healing, if there's a miracle happening in your area, let us know so that the name of the Lord will be praised. I think this is what we should be doing. I understand that the secular are not interested because good news doesn't sell for them. Yes. But for us, for us Christians, it makes us glorify God. I agree fully. So maybe the challenge is um, the, the, the Christian TV stations should start publicizing this. But in reality, we know that most of them are, are monotonized. They are monopolies. I mean, they only it's only one person you see. And that's just how it is. And one kind of news. So nobody will report somebody else's news except that now we have come into the scene and um, uh, things are changing. It's a paradigm shift for yeah. peace and Absolutely. development. Am I allowed to ask you a question? <laughs> now, here's the thing. I'm the one asking questions. <laughs> it, becomes, it becomes complicated. The reason I'm asking and I'm probing like this, I'm provoking the, the listeners, I'm provoking the, the, the viewers, I'm provoking those who will see this tape later on. Because these are, these are fellow Christians. And if a snake tastes like chocolate to somebody, so let them eat it. Who cares? I mean, really, if, I mean, who knows what else Jesus did? Because the Bible says if everything that he ever did was recorded, there will be no amount of books to carry it or contain it. I don't know some of the things he did. Well, if he's living now, I don't know if he will be taking petrol and giving it to people. I have no clue. But what I know is that he operated differently from one ministration to another. And I don't want us to overlook that. There's a man of God I know. He's not here. He's in the States. He's going to be with the Lord now. He went to be with the Lord at the age of 96, Reverend. He used to spit on people like pop. And they'll be healed. He'll be arrested, yeah, because that, come on, that's crime and injuria or some assault or some case. I wouldn't know what to call it, Reverend, sir. Well, personally, I would have a challenge with that. Now, something interesting you said about, about, about Jesus spitting on the ground now. You said these days he would not do that because he would be challenged. And 
the question I wanted to ask you was whether you know that there are some ladies who eat soil when they are pregnant. They just have a taste for that. I've seen them. It's not something I've heard. I've seen them that they would they want, want to eat, eat uh, soil, soil and the it's soil. And they and say it's only during, during that period, period I don't have, have an understanding of what's happening in their body that want them to eat. That makes that them want to eat sweat, but when they're not pregnant, they don't want it. When they become pregnant, they want to try. Okay, I don't know that. Obviously, okay, so ladies must tell me, teach me on that one. But that what I'm saying is, they're eating soil. They're eating soil. So Jesus used the soil. Maybe that's what ladies have was eating. And then he made mud with it and he put it on people's eyes. And people were perfect. Jesus got perfect results. The soil could be full of bacteria, viruses, and all kinds of things. Well, I know that could be attributed to uh, iron deficiency because when you're pregnant, you may be depleting on some of your vitals, you know, which is normal. And then if people do not get supplements, if they do not get supplements, they end up uh, enjoying things like that that are crazy. It's, it's actually some something that is depleted in the body, like... Iron, magnesium, calcium, reverend say. Okay, okay. I've learned something. <laughs> no, let, let's, yeah, yeah. let's, 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 let's just come out of that. I believe we'll come back to it. No, no, there should be a dialogue on these. There should All be right. a dialogue. Yeah, right. We should really talk about these, but we'll see if our team will be interested in really finding some people because that, that is something that has not been done and you've raised it very well that media houses should should be the ones telling us that if there's anyone who's been healed or whatever the case may be we'll follow up on that yes, yes that's now yeah. here i'm seeking your opinion somebody says yes the saps will arrest him immediately that is jesus <laughs> I, I can I can imagine. Now we, we are almost at the tail end of our conversation. Here's my my my. It's, it's not a question, but I'm seeking your your opinion. How does the shutting down of churches impact the COVID nineteen pandemic that we are facing, not as a world, but as a country? Because as a country. <laughs> There's a notion that when when churches are shut down, somehow cases reduce. No problem. What are your thoughts on that? And what what are your thoughts on the shutting down of churches' impact on the situation that is already grave? We are we are we are having a grave situation, and shutting down the churches does it aggravate it the more? or worsens it, or it lessens it. Your thoughts, Reverend, sir. All right. <clears throat> I do not agree with such a position. I'll make an example with our church. Um, last year, we had, we lost one nursing sister to COVID. She was in charge of a ward where people who were positive were treated. 
from people who know her, they say she would always go an extra mile. She would cry with those who are crying. And she became positive. But besides that, she also had a heart condition. And she lost her life. She was the only person until today in a church, a person who was attending church regularly, who lost their life to COVID. So I'm saying this from experience. We have members who have relatives who got COVID and passed on because of COVID. We prayed with them, we buried them, but I'm talking about those who come to church regularly. None of them that I know of. Two weeks ago, I asked a question in the church. Well, not two weeks ago, before the lockdown, the latest lockdown. I asked the church, please tell me how many people in this church, members who have been coming regularly, have died of COVID. They only mentioned that nursing sister because she was working with people like that. Now, personally, I believe a praying church, because it depends, some churches are not... They just they meet on Sunday, a few hours, and then they're gone. No prayers. Mm -hmm. No prayers. Yes. A church, a church where there is prayer, people are covered in prayer. People are prayed for. Every day of the week, or maybe a few days, a few times in a week. I believe such churches will be centers of healing and not super spreaders. We have prayed in a church. That, that people, people who come to church, church must be healed and not get, get a sickness, sickness or a disease in the church. church. We are praying and the Lord has honored us because we believe in prayer. So, so churches, I do not believe that churches are super spreaders because for those from those that we know of, leaders of churches that are praying, the Lord is keeping them. The Lord is protecting them. So a, a church where Jesus is honored should be a place of refuge, yes, a place of comfort, a place of healing, and not a place of infection. I do understand that if a person is positive and visits the church, it's possible some people might be infected. I was surprised today, I was in, uh, in Newcastle, and uh, in the group that we were in, there was a lady who the partner was positive, including HIV, I've testimonies, who did not tell the wife that was positive. Wow. For years. And she wouldn't get it because she was always in charge. Pray and God keeps and protects. So I do not buy the notion that the church is a super spreader. This, this is promoted, is this saying and allegation is promoted by people, many of them who are anti-church. And unfortunately, simple Christians who don't understand the agenda of people who are anti-church, they start using that language. But if you look at where it started, who started it is people that are anti-Christ or that are anti-church that are not happy with the church that is running. There are people in South Africa today According to them, churches will be shut down permanently. Permanent. Yeah. And, and we are not going to allow that to happen. Why? Because we know how to pray. We know how to say, Lord, deal with them. 
We know how to do that. Right? Yes. So I'm saying we cannot allow that to happen. We need to pray to make sure that the respect for the church is restored. That people will know that that is God's place. That's God's house. If I have a problem, I go there and I find my solutions. I find prayers. I find healing. Not I'm going to be infected. No, 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 no. I go there to find my healing, to find my salvation, to find comfort. That's what the church is there for. So the church in South Africa, I believe it must not be closed because we pray for the country. There are times when we pray as individuals. You pray where you are as an individual. But there are times when we need collective prayers. Yes. Collective prayers. And I believe South Africa now is at a stage where we need collective prayers. That South Africans will come together and pray for the nation of South Africa. If you all observe the health protocols and we stand together, pray together, or we kneel together, God will hear and answer our prayers. So it's the time for the church to be open wide, considering that we observe all the health protocols and pray together to God to, God to intervene in this nation. South Africa needs God's visitation urgently, God's visitation. There's anger in some cases. What's happening in Phoenix right now? Yes. Racial tensions. Who is trying to, to relieve the pressure and the tension? Right now, the church leaders, I was in, I was in uh, Wednesday, Thursday last week, I, went, I was in cases. I went to Phoenix myself. Yes. We met, besides visiting the homes of those who lost their loved ones, both Indians and Black, we also met together to pray. And we heard stories about how pastors are going into these hurting communities with the message of Jesus Christ. So the church should be open and not closed. Because when there are tensions, when there is confusion, when there is hatred, when there are people are on the verge of fighting one another, attacking one another, the church can come in between as peacemakers, bridge builders, agents of reconciliation. That is our calling as the church. Hallelujah. And the Bible says the church is the pillar and ground of truth. Now, Amen. Psalm 65, verse 2 says, Now unto him who answers prayer shall all flesh, all people come, because God still hears and answers prayer. It says to him who yes, hears and answers. He does. He still does. So, yes. if you were on that hot seat as the nation's number one man, first citizen, the number one seat in the nation, given the same scenario that is playing out today, what will you do in relation to the church and her activities at nation building? I can take that one again. Of, <clears throat> one of the things I said earlier is that the church is able to assist government. The church, the church is, is able, able to help meet the needs of the people. Yes. I was born in a mission school. Uh, my children were, I was, sorry, I was born in a mission hospital, my apology. My children were born in mission hospitals. All right? Because the Christians in earlier days saw themselves as partners to look after their communities. Partners 
to look and to improve the lives of the people. They did not see themselves as just being in the chest, slipping hands, singing hallelujah, waiting for the rapture. They were rolling their sleeves, making their hands dirty. When we have challenges that are heavy now, yesterday I was at church helping to feed people. We are feeding people, clothing people. Now, if churches would do this, our community's life would improve. So if, or when I'm in that hot seat, maybe let's not say if, when, all right? Yes, when I'm I would say, churches, let's work together to improve our country, to improve our communities, to make sure that nobody goes to bed hungry. There is no reason why there, are, there would be people in South Africa who'd go to bed hungry. Because South Africa is a wealthy country. There is enough for everybody. But the problem is many of those that have, have forgotten the reason why we are blessed. God blesses us to bless others. He blesses us to be a blessing to other people. So if now you have, for example, a head of state, who says to the churches, churches, we need you. Government cannot help everybody. Church, we need you. Can you assist? When we want to people to get grants, can they use your infrastructure? Can pastors come? We give you a stipend, obviously. We'll give you a stipend. If we use your resources, we can hire your resources. We can hire your home for a small amount so that the mothers, the old ladies in particular, it breaks my heart when I see the grannies in the 80s, some of them, standing in these shoes. Then we say to the pastors, we do not want our elderly people to think that they are not appreciated. You have seeds in your hearts. Would you mind us to use your infrastructure as a place where people in this area can collect their grants? They will be warm within the walls if it rains. They will have seeds, chairs to sit on. And we know because of the love of Christ, they will be given coffee, they will be given uh, soup and other things. So I would say, let us work together. Church, remember, when people meet on Sunday, they meet to be equipped to go and do yes. the work of the ministry. Yes. Right? Sunday we together. We're equipped. So that from Monday when you go outside, you go and help the needs of the people. That's what I would do. And I'm looking forward to the day I'll do that. Oh, we give God the glory. Only him holds the power. <laughs> now, yeah. In, in, in closing, we are really at the tail end now. I'm going to throw this one in. Because as a politician, you know, soapbox soap rhetoric is a different ball game. But in reality, how would you deal with... Um, we've been receiving reports from people who work at the mines in, in Rustenburg. And I'll be specific right now whereby they are told you take the vaccine or you lose your job right now as we speak these are reports that are coming in droves in droves rusting back mines and this is where we are you take the vaccine 
or forget about your job. No, no vaccine, no jobs as we speak. What, what, how will you assess that? How will you deal with that? Or how are you going to deal with that? Reverend sir, as ACDP, as a, as a political leader, and I'm sure you won't be hearing this for the first time. Yeah. We are preparing a court case. We are going to take this matter to the Constitutional Court. Besides the fact that the President and the suspended Minister of Health have publicly said the vaccine, COVID vaccine, is voluntarily. People have the right to choose to take it or not to take it. So employers that are trying to force people to take it, maybe because they are part of the agenda, we don't know, but nobody is, should be forced to take the vaccine. The constitution of South Africa gives South Africans the right to choose including the right to have bodies that are respected by everybody, including the state. When the constitution speaks about the people's bodily integrity, means that nobody can put in your body and anybody's body without their consent. So the ACDP is going to fight this matter in court. We are taking it to the constitution because it is unconstitutional. Whether it is the minds, or uh, which, which company, company because we hear that there are other companies who are thinking about that even education department are discussing this matter what about teachers who don't want to take it i can say uh, on the basis of the constitution that if you don't want it say no i don't want it and uh, if you are removed from your job you lose your job i've heard even kosati kosati has sent a warning to employers now, now, if, if there will be a demonstration, demonstration against false vaccines, I will join that demonstration. Whether it's called by Kosaki or by you, I will join them. Because according to the South African Constitution, nobody should be forced to take the vaccine if they don't want it. Let those who want it take it. Those who don't want it must not take it. And they must not be forced to take it. And I'm sorry, and I'm, I would like to really apologize ahead of time because I have a follow-up question. And the reason for that is because you are a parliamentarian. Someone will say, you're not allowed to drive without a driver's license. It's illegal. So this vaccine is the same thing. You're not allowed to go to certain countries in Africa without the yellow fever vaccination card. It's just like that. It's a mandate. It's a law. Everybody must follow it. What will you say to that? So I would say the smallpox, the vac that vaccine and the COVID vaccine are different because there were times when the, even the Minister of Health used the word experimental vaccine. Experimental. All right? So it, it, the doctors are disagreeing on this matter. And what I'm not happy with with our government is that they are too secretive. Yeah, who secretly? One of the things ACDP asked was, what are the contents of the vaccine? 
Look at the bottom of the vaccine. That's which way you contact. Go to a pharmacy, go to a clinic. Even, even this green or aspro, whenever you're given something in the bottle or in the box, inside there is a leaflet that tells what are the contents of whatever you're going to take. And then also, in that leaflet, they tell you about the side effects. So that if you take them, you know that I'm taking this thing at my own risk. Because here it is written black and white, the side effects. Vaccine, the current vaccines don't have all that. Why? Why don't they want to tell us what is the content? Something is fishy. Something is fishy. And South Africans must ask questions. So, smallpox or yellow fever, people, the, the, the Minister of Health again. He also said it takes about 10 years. Yes. To produce a vaccine, a minute, an average of ten years to, vaccine, to produce a vaccine. What we are having, three to six months already. You have it. That's why they call it experimental. They are not the same. <laughs> Something is fishy. The reverend said. Yeah. Your 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 last words. So we are really grateful to God for your time. Please thank you so much to you to mommy everybody the party thank you so much for always showing up first we're going to be bringing other um party representatives on this same hot seat now you're parting shots to our global community well the lord bless you you are all very special to him and even though i don't know you all i appreciate you i wish you long life may the lord bless you and your families and keep you from all harm in jesus name and may he bless this station and may he bless major daughter so that she'll continue for many more years in this wonderful program oh hallelujah we received those blessings give it up for reverence give it up for acdp wow this was a tough one, right? You talk about vaccines, you see the numbers. Good morning, good morning, good morning, night riders. Thank you for reporting for duty. I know this was a very informative conversation, but not only that, thought-provoking. From here, it matters what you do. We don't just hear, but we hear to do. Didn't James say that? said, be here, be doers of the word not hearers only. So I'd like to take this time to thank all of you for showing up. Now, remember, even after this program is over, go ahead and still share this broadcast as many times as possible. Make sure people see it. If anyone is asking questions about the things that were raised here, refer them to this program. We are grateful to Reverend says. Somebody says, God bless you and keep you, sir, and your family. Amen and amen. Look, don't take these blessings lightly. Don't take these blessings lightly. Very, very important, especially in a time like this one. Hallelujah. We received them. Yes. So many are excited. Send your messages. Send your comments. But for today, if you are challenged, if you are one of those who are facing some of these questions that we just addressed now at the end, right at the tail end of the broadcast, you now know what to do. If you have questions, you now know what to do. 
I believe your questions have been answered. Now to all our viewers around the world and our partners who part this program, well done to you. Life, a state of existence beyond human understanding. Life, beautifully designed by... Imagine a world where you are a student of one of the greatest teachers in the world. When you need answers to a puzzle, he's always available, ready to discuss, analyze, and help find answers to your problems. Wouldn't you be excited about that? Of course you would. This is what Major Daughter Live, the TV network, seeks to provide, a teacher in your hands. This exciting TV network was designed to help you grow in faith, to help build a stronger and more efficient spiritual life. It is a platform where you can ask questions and find answers that would make your faith unshakable and unmovable like Mount Zion. Here, you can receive prayer and listen to powerful teachers from God's generals. You will learn how to pray about anything and get answers. Major Daughter Live, the TV network, features deep conversations and interview sessions with prominent people of faith, people who can change lives with their words and insightful stories. Major Daughter Live, the TV network. We are here to change lives, one video at a time. Like, subscribe and share our Roku TV, Fire TV, YouTube and Facebook channel. Remember, you may be impacting a lot of lives if you share this platform with others. Hallelujah! Imagine a world where you are a student of one of the greatest teachers in the world. When you need answers to a puzzle, he's always available, ready to discuss, analyze and help find answers to your problems. Wouldn't you be excited about that? Of course you would! This is what Major Daughter Live, the TV network, seeks to provide, a teacher in your hands. This exciting TV network was designed to help you grow in faith, to help build a stronger and more efficient spiritual life. It is a platform where you can ask questions and find answers that would make your faith unshakable and unmovable like Mount Zion. Here, you can receive prayer and listen to powerful teachers from God's generals. You will learn how to pray about anything and get answers. Major Daughter Live, the TV network, features deep conversations and interview sessions with prominent people of faith, people who can change lives with their words and insightful stories. Major Daughter Live, the TV network. We are here to change lives, one video at a time. Like, subscribe and share our Roku TV, Fire TV, YouTube and Facebook channel. Remember, you may be impacting a lot of lives if you share this platform with others. Hallelujah! Imagine a world where you are a student of one of the greatest teachers in the world. When you need answers to a puzzle, he's always available, ready to discuss, analyze and help find answers to your problems. Wouldn't you be excited about that? Of course you would! This is what Major Daughter Live, the TV network, seeks to provide, a teacher in your hands. This exciting TV network was designed to help you grow in faith, to help build a stronger and more efficient spiritual life. It is a platform where you can ask questions and find answers that would make your faith unshakable and